I don't have much capacity. And so I simplified sales. To me, the definition of sales is solving problems. What you're about to hear is an interview that Matt did with GSD Mode Podcast. Joshua Smith is interviewing Matt. Over the first 18 minutes, they go over Matt's story, his mindset um, in as a new agent and how to tackle that. And then after that, they go into ways to tackle today's market with things that are shifting and ways to leverage your team. Lots of great information, and we felt that it was too important to, to not share with everyone. So enjoy. What is up, my peeps? Joshua Smith here with another GSD Mode Podcast interview. Every single week, I interview top real estate professionals, top entrepreneurs and strip top badasses out there dominating their space and today you guys we've got another amazing epic guest on the show our guest today guys matt smith just to give you a quick background before we jump in here um went from working in his basement to being the number eight or uh, number eight agent in the united states according to the wall street journalist um number one in missouri in 2021 he and his team closed uh, 767 homes Ranked number one in his market for the last six consecutive years in 2021 and 2022. Uh, featured in Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies. In addition to running his real estate team, he's also a coach, husband, and father of two, and a podcaster. So welcome to the GSD Mo podcast, my friend. Dude, I'm so happy to be here. So excited. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's, dude, you're, you're doing crazy stuff, man. I'm, I'm excited for this, man. Um, so, so before we get into all the amazing things that you're doing today, dude, I'm always intrigued in our guest journeys that led them here in the first place. We're on those clocks. Like why real estate? How did, how did you get into real estate? What did you do prior? How did this whole journey begin in the first place? Yeah, so I have a pretty interesting story, uh, or at least I've been told. So um, my graduating class in high school had 30 kids. I was raised by a single mom, a very small town kid, and um, my very first job out of high school was working at a sawmill. And so uh, I learned a lot of things from my mom and from the sawmill, both taught me work ethic. And so my mom worked three jobs, but I never knew it until after I graduated high school. So we were we were very lower middle class, but I didn't know it because she wouldn't allow it. Right. Um, I remember one time as a kid, I woke up uh, middle of the night like I was probably middle school, junior high, woke up middle of the night because I heard typing on the keyboard. And it was my mom in here with a headset transcribing something for a counselor or something working at two thirty in the morning. Um, just to make ends meet. And so um, I learned a lot um, about work ethic during my childhood growing up. Um, and then going to work at a sawmill, it's uh, it's hard manual labor. Um, and it's it just taught, I remember my that was my first job. I was 12 years old when I started there. Um, I worked for $20 a day stacking slabs. And so um, as a 12 year old, keeping up with grown men at a sawmill is uh, you, you learn a lot about work ethic. And so as I was going through that journey, um, I actually decided that I wanted to, I grew through the ranks at the sawmill. It was actually my dad's family owned it, um, who I wasn't really involved with growing up. Um, and so it was kind of a way to get back ties, if you will, um, with my dad's side of the family. And as I was growing through the ranks there, I just decided I wanted more. I don't know what it was. There was a feeling inside of my gut that I was meant for more. Um, and so I started searching and uh, ended up quitting that job um, and found other jobs. And one sales job led to another, led to another. And I remember very early on, a lot of people asked me, well, how did you get into sales? So I just stumbled into an opportunity and I don't have much capacity. And so I simplified sales. To me, the definition of sales is solving problems. Where most people go wrong in sales is they think about it's about what you say. A good salesperson knows the right questions to ask to find the problem and then solve the problem. 
you find the problem, solve the problem, you make a sale. Like that's how I had to simplify it for myself. And so as I grew through the ranks through different sales companies, um, I stumbled across a real estate opportunity. I was working in radio sales at the time. My, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, worked at a property management company. I went to a company function and they asked me, um, hey, why don't you join, get out of radio and actually sell something real, sell some real estate. I'm like, well, what kind of money are you talking? And they told me what the average agent made there. And I'm like, awesome. I'll, I'll go take my courses tomorrow. Um, and so signed up for that, jumped into real estate. And you would think from there, it sounds like it's an amazing su success story. Uh, but life happens to all of us. And so I remember struggling to get my license, taking the course. And um, I'm an all-in kind of guy. So I quit my job to take the course and I'm going to study. I'm going to I'm gonna cram it in a week and I'm going to get my license, right? Well, during that week, what happened to have happened is I had a six-week-old daughter at home, my first daughter, and we were completely broke. When I say completely broke, I mean we had two months of electric bill sitting on the kitchen table. Um, my uncle came over to visit my, grand, my, my daughter for the first time. And uh, he opened the fridge and he's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? He's like, you don't have any groceries. How are you living? And what's this stack of bills sitting on the counter? So it was an eye-opening moment for me because I didn't realize how bad it was. Um, and so it was really motivating for me to get in gear, get the license and just make it work. Um, I've always bet on myself and I've all, I, I'm not willing to let myself and my family down. And so uh, whatever you do in life, a lesson I learned that I can share with your audience is go all in. If you're going to do it, jump in with both feet, um, especially in this business. So the story doesn't stop there. As, um, as I'm getting my license, I get my license, I started in real estate and start off very well. Then I get smacked upside the head with a, another life situation. My wife gets sick. She got an infection. And she went in for emergency surgery. That one surgery turned into two surgeries. That second surgery turned into um, a staph infection. And so here I am with my six-week-old daughter, just started real estate, completely broke. Of course, they didn't tell you. They leave this part out in real estate school. You don't make money your first day, right? And so I still hadn't made any money. I'm still in that hole of, of that financial hole. And my days are consist of staying up all night with a newborn. My wife's bedridden at the hospital. And I can't sell real estate because I got to take care of my family. So I go to see her every day. Um, and I remember one day it stands out and I'll never forget it. I'm carrying my six-week-old daughter into the hospital. I go to open the door like always, and someone kicks the door shut. A doctor comes out and dressed in what I can only describe as a hazmat suit, just head to toe. He's like, we have to talk. I'm like, this doesn't sound good. He said, so um, you need to dress up. You need to go in there. You need to dress your baby up. You need to go in there and say your goodbyes. Your wife has 24 hours to live. What happened is she actually had a staph infection from the second surgery. And when they went to give her antibiotics, they thought she was allergic to those antibiotics. And so they had to stop them. They said either the staph infection is going to take over her body and kill her in 24 hours, or this antibiotic is going to kill her. And we can't kill her with drugs. And so you need to go in with your six-week-old daughter and tell your wife goodbye. Dude, a moment like that will change your life forever. Um, I'm already at rock bottom, right? Um, and... Uh, to have that moment, that was a defining moment in my life. Fortunately, my wife pulled through. Um, they found some medicine and months of recovery, and we're all good now. Um, we have two beautiful little girls, but that is really what set me up on success in my life. It's because I know 
I know that I'm going to be in a financial place where if anything like that ever happens again, we'll be all right. My daughters will be fine. We'll find a way to make it work. And so I think that's an important part of my journey because you hear all the accolades, the awards, all of that. But if not everyone starts there and everyone has their own journey. And if you can use, there's a saying that I have, life doesn't happen to me, it happens for me. Everything in life happens for a reason. And if you can truly find that reason and use those hardships as motivation and fuel to get better, you can overcome anything in life. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful stuff, man. Yeah, and it, and it, 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 it appears that for most, I know this is true for me in many cases of, of my life, that we don't, like the change that's necessary to change our trajectory, our situation doesn't come into play until like the, the pain of the status quo outweighs the pain of the change of what's necessary. And it sounds like in that position, man, you got back past due bills due, you know, you don't know how you're going to take care of your kids. You're, I can't even fathom what that situation is like with thinking of that your wife, like, having to say those goodbyes yeah um um so then from there dude and and just so, so you got like what year was it when you got your license i got licensed in 2013 2013 okay so then from there man you have this you know just massively scary wake-up call that you you know um so and but then your wife pulls through gets better um at that point it doesn't sound like you've done any business yet because you get licensed and all this you know just a Correct. tornado of things hits you um, uh, how, how do you start, you know, cause there's a lot of people that may not be in that bad of a situation and have those same scares, but maybe from a financial point in that same position, um, what did you start doing then to, from a business standpoint to get yourself in a different position? Yeah. Uh, great question. So, um, I, I relate this to everybody's had something happen in their life, right? We all have a story and this isn't a poor me. Um, it's, it's a blessing. These things that have happened in my life because I'm able to have what I have today because of that. But what do you actually do when your back's against the wall? When you have no options, what do you do? Do you, do you fight or do you run? And so I'm a fighter. And so here's what I did. I was the first one to the office every day. I was the last one to leave. My rule every single day was I did not leave the office until I set an appointment or it was 10 p.m. One of those two things happened before I went home. And so literally, and I would probably do it over a little differently if I had to again, but I just came from such an extreme um, uh, bad situation that I just had zero options mentality and I was going to make it work. And so my daughter didn't see me for the first year of her life after all this, because I was out making, I was building a legacy, right? That was, that was what I kept telling myself. It's going to work. It's got to work. It's got to work. Um, and so that mentality turned into uh, 74 closings my very first year in real estate. From there, I decided I wanted to build the team. Um, Josh, you may not know this, but um, I bought a cool course called uh, Master, Real Estate Mastery Bootcamp back in 2014, 2015. Um, and, uh, started following you. I bought that course and learned a lot of things. Cause all I, I was just, man, I was just hustling. I didn't have any process. I didn't have, I was just hustling. Like I had at one point in time during that year, I had 42 pendings on the pending board as a single agent. I mean, it was, it was just, uh, it was not organized to say the least. Um, and so I learned from you a lot of processes and systems. And then I decided that I wanted I was doing all this for my daughter, but she wasn't able to see her dad. So I needed to make some adjustments. 
And so those adjustments was to create leverage. And I had plenty of opportunity and already cleared the path and proven that I knew how to sell. And so I started hiring people, hired an assistant, hired a buyer's agent and started a, start a little team. And then at that point, um, I ran into another snag. I was on pace to, to outgrow that year um, with my assistant and um, the leadership at the brokerage I was at did not enjoy my fast growth. And um, we, we were butting heads and um, I decided to leave because they wouldn't allow me to start a team, essentially. Um, and so I wanted to start a team because I knew I could do more. And so I started a team, went to a new company. Um, and from that point, like I've been in the business a year and a half. Like, I yeah, I'd done well, but I wasn't financially stable yet. Like I was still getting back on my feet. Um, all my listings, all my pendings um, were basically stolen. In my state, it's legal. The broker owns it, right? And so um, it wasn't a good departure and they decided to take them all. And so I started from absolute zero in 2016. Um, grew my team there at this new company that allowed, quote unquote, allowed me to start a team, right? Um, and uh, sold 100 homes from absolute zero my very first year as it's starting a team. Um, when I say absolute zero, like we started in January, no listings, no marketing, no signs, no nobody knew who we were, right? Um, and went to 100 closings that very first year, grew that to 250 the next year. And then I found another ceiling. Um, and at that point in time, we had 97 signs in the ground, 97 listings. Dude, things were rocking. We were just proof of concept was there. We were crushing it. People were knocking our door down to be a part of it. Um, and again, the company we were with did not like our growth. Um, and it sounds like I'm, I'm maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just hard to get along with. I don't know. But uh, it's uh, I just really I really like helping people and growing and um, it, it, it part of when I started a team, it's important to note this, your why you do what you do is very, very crucial in your community, your agents, your team members. It matters. So these numbers sound great, but really why I started it, why I started the team was because I have a conscience and I have to go to sleep at night. And I know for a fact that there are other companies that I've seen and other real estate agents that I've heard of that don't necessarily have the client's best interest at heart. Sometimes they have the bottom line first. And I'm a people first guy. You have to take care of the people. And so it literally started, I started the team because I was going to, well, I'm going to go to a different brokerage. And I started looking around and not to talk crap about the other brokerages, but nobody really had that mindset that I thought. And I thought, well, I can create a better path. I can create a path where agents enjoy coming to work. Agents know that they can put their clients first. It's not about the commission. It's about changing people's lives with buying or selling real estate, which is the hugest transaction of their life. Like it's people matter. And that's really where it came from. And dude, it just, it grew like crazy. Um, and so 97 signs in the yard. We decide that uh, we're going to take a, an opportunity. We actually partnered with eXp Realty um, and opened up a new office. And as, as I'm building out my new office to move into, the broker that I'm with finds out. And I kept it hush-hush because the rumors were that they were going to take everything, et cetera. Um, and so literally they pulled me in the office and this is the conversation. So how's your office coming along? I'm like, oh, well, it's about 60 days out from being done. Like, oh, okay. Well, you got to 5 p.m., get your shit and get out. That was the conversation. Like I walk out the door, I'm like, are you sure this is how you want to handle this? Yep, I already made my decision. And by the way, those, those 97 listings, they're mine. Don't call them. And so that was, dude, that was real. That's where I went to my basement. We worked out of my basement for 60 days. And it sounds like, oh, well, it's no big deal. Dude, 97 listings and all the, we had, I don't know how many pendings we had at the time, but it was over 50 pendings. 
right? Like it was, that's, that was a massive impact on my business that I had just reinvested every penny I had to grow to this point. And so now I'm back to absolute zero again, working in my basement with half of the team that decided to come with me. The other half stayed. And I'm like, man, what am I going to do? I've got to start over from absolute zero three times now in four years. Like this is, this is crazy. And so from there, um, partnering with, with EXP and just having, basically I'm in charge, right? It's my team. Nobody can stop me. There's no, there's no ceiling, so to speak. And from there, dude, we have just absolutely exploded. Partner with the right people, um, have amazing people on the team. And we've went from absolute zero again to um, we're going to sell over 800 closings this year, 800 transactions. Yeah, that's uh, so epic, dude. Yeah, and it, it's so important, man. I mean, I get asked all the time about, you know, what's the best brokerage and so forth. And, and I don't believe that there is a best. It's about identifying what the best is for you, you know, and, and but it's so important to think long-term about what those yes. goals are. Now, when you're brand new in the business, like you don't know, you're, like, you're just thinking about making some money. You know, you didn't, didn't have that vision of maybe creating the team and, and okay. So you, you've essentially had to rebuild from scratch three times. Um, so, and we'll get into, you know, team growth and what you're doing today and so forth. But you know, man, so your first year, 74 closings, then you start from scratch again, you know, everything, all that was, you know, all those listings, all that was pulled from, you had to start from scratch again, and then you built to 94 listings or whatever that number was, and then you're having to start. So what did you do to get those clients? You know, cause I know that we have a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, agents that, that are watching and listening to this podcast that, you know, would love to go out there and do 74 units. Um, like, what did you do to go out there and get those clients? Yeah. So it goes back to work ethic, right? Like how I started the story is, and I think it's a very important message right now coming off of what the, the markets have done the last three years. Um, I think a lot of times I know myself um, definitely as the leader of the organization has kind of let my foot off the gas. When times are easy, it's kind of easy to sit back and relax. And I think a lot of agents have adopted that mindset. And so if I, if I contribute one thing to my success, it's that no one's going to outwork me. But I also have found great trainings, great mentors, your training that I took. Um, I'm coached by John Cheplak now, who, in my opinion, is the best coach on the planet. And having being in the right rooms around the right people to put that work ethic to do the next right thing, right, versus just going blindly, like finding a process of how you want to grow, grow strategically, I think has been crucial. So I, if I think back to as a single agent, what really worked was um, just not ever giving up on the lead. Like I tell my agents, I told them we're doing a uh, Monday Mayhem program right now where we're just changing our mindset to, uh, to, to adapt to this new market. And we're prospecting all day, right? All day. Um, it's no, no appointments allowed. We're, we're in the trenches all day long, just making phone calls. And I told them, I said, you are not allowed to hang up on any leads. We, we hang up. So what happens is most agents don't realize this. When I say this as in a coaching conversation with some of my clients, they're like, wait, what do you mean? I don't hang up on people. But when's the last time you got off the phone and said, well, I'll send you listings. Let me know what you see, if you see anything you like. That's a hang up. Well, um, if you find anything, give me a call. We'll be in touch. Like there's only two ways to end an appointment, Josh. It's either you set another appointment or you're writing an offer. That's it. And that could be a phone call. That's face-to-face. -face, that's Zoom. But I maximized every single opportunity. A lot of people are, well, I need more leads. There is that right now, especially if you have a database, that is where your gold is, because there are buyers that missed out on the market 
because they got outbid, they didn't want to compete, that are in your database right now, that if you're nurturing them properly, they're coming back to the top and that's your new lead. That's who you need to focus on. There are also sellers that didn't take advantage of the market because times weren't, weren't right for them. They need you to be the lighthouse and educate them on this market. Like, I think that's how you dominate this current market is just be the lighthouse and education source for the community. Even if now is not a good time for them to buy, tell them the truth. Like we as, we as an industry have a terrible reputation and some of it's earned because we tell them salesy pitches about when it's, it's always a good time to buy, it's always a good time to sell. If that's not the truth, don't tell them that. Because when it's time for them to buy or sell, guess what? You will be the go-to and you will own the conversation around all of their friends. And I think that's what really helped me grow my business is that I earned that trust with the clients. And I maximize the opportunity and help them through the process versus most agents focus on bottom of the funnel leads, right? Like they're ready to buy or sell now. Don't get me wrong. I want as many of those as I possibly can. But I also want to add as many people to that funnel as possible. I don't care where they're at in the process. I want to nurture them. I want to provide them value. I want to educate them. And what happens is now they become your biggest fans because you are, you are treating them differently than the rest of the industry, than the other agents' databases that they're in that are just sending them listings. You're providing extra value. And over time, they share that message to your clients, to your community. Like as an example, Last year, we sold 767 units. Over 400 of those came directly to us, meaning they went organic to our website because they've heard about us or they called our office. 400 closings from people that have heard about our reputation and wanted to work with us. Like that isn't easy to build, but you said it earlier, Josh, it's about building a long-term sustainable business. Sometimes building that trust with that one person is way more important than just barely touching eight, nine, 10 leads. Go, go all in on that one person and build that relationship and maximize that opportunity you have. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is there's no magic pill based on a lead source. You know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, what are you doing once that lead comes in that makes the difference? So, dude, there is no, there is no magic lead source. You 100% right. The agents, so here's the number one question I get. Well, what lead source, are you, what lead source works the best? It's the one that you work the best. That is it. Like all leads. Now there's different ones, like with some of these referral sources that call you directly, they're already through an ISA department. Of course, those are closer to the bottom of the funnel typically. But still, if you don't have a process to and a cadence of how a script and dialogue to follow up with them and a process of how you nurture them, not all of them are ready right now. And they're not just reaching out to you. They're reaching out to every single portal on the planet. And you have to be skilled enough to maximize that opportunity. But where agents fall short. And I think it's very easy and relative to today's market that we're going into is it's not the quality of the lead. The quality of the lead is determined by the skill set of the agent. The skill set and the work ethic, skill set and work ethic of the agent determine how good of a lead that is. It's not the lead source. Every lead source that I've ever tried except for one has worked because it's how we work it. And if you have that mindset, yes, you need to track everything. You need to measure everything and you need to be budget conscious. All of that stuff is important, but there is no magic lead. There is no magic pill. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it all the time where people come to me and I'll ask like, what's your biggest objection? I'm like, okay, lead generation. And then I'm sort of asking them, okay, well, let's break that down. Like sh show me your numbers. You know, what are your lead sources? What are your, what are your conversion numbers? What's your follow-up process per lead source? 
and very quickly it becomes very evident that they have a tracking and a follow-up process issue you know so I, I don't know if i've met anybody that truly has a lead gen issue most have a lead conversion issue the inability to convert those leads you know everything that you're speaking to here you know you said something earlier that i wanted to circle back on you said sales to you is solving problems and you got to ask those right questions you know, and, and dude, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, we're in an industry where we don't have to sell anything. It's like people already sold on buying and selling real estate, right? We, we need to articulate that we're the best guide to get them from where they're at to where they want to go. But the only way to really articulate that we're the best guide is to figure out what what are their, like what's what's holding them back, what those objections are, if you will, you know? Um, uh, so can you, can you elaborate deeper on that and how you apply that as a team to go out there and solve those problems? Dude, 100%. And so um, I do that very, and again, I'm a very simple guy, is, and as you were saying that, I wrote down a quote that I use all the time, value unarticulated is value unappreciated. And so if you don't provide value to the client, they don't understand the value you can bring. And one of the most valuable things you can bring a client in today's marketplace is education, the real data, the real news, not what mainstream media is saying, right? Because- it's if you let mainstream media run your business and they're the news source and the go-to source, you, your real estate business is going to be acting on defense instead of offense. And so I take a very proactive approach with that. But I think it's very important too. early on, like I said, that your, your why behind what you do, the why behind the what is very, very crucial. And I replace the word selling with helping. I don't sell people, I help people. And if when you have that mindset, it's way easier when you get a new lead to double dial them. It's way easier to stay in the box is a phrase that I use to get overcome an objection. Just because they say no doesn't mean it's a no. It's a no because they probably don't understand. I haven't done a good enough job at articulating the value and educating them on why it should be a yes. Right. And if we as we need to be proactive as real estate agents and part of that proactiveness comes from being able to handle those those quote unquote objections that aren't really objections. They're sales skepticism. And it's your job to reassure them and educate them on why it may be a good chance for them to buy or sell real estate. If we wait on them to tell us they're ready to buy or sell, we are too late. I want everybody, I want to know what my business looks like for the next six months. Like, do I always have it built out that way? Absolutely not. There's a lot of bottom of the funnel business that happens. But if I have a rough idea of who's in my pipeline, who I have agency relationships with, who I know when they're going to move here, when they're going to list their home, it's way easy for me to project what I'm doing with my business. And it's way less stressful having to wait for, well, I restart my business every single month. It's because I build a plan around every single person that I talk to and I maximize those relationships. Um, I think I learned this from you, Josh, the fortunes in the follow-up. Yep. Like if you don't have a, a just killer follow-up game, you're going to get left behind in this business. But you do that through helping people solve their problems. And you you need to ask a lot of great questions. And too many people ask a good question and then they get nervous with the silence and they just overtalk, right? Ask a good question and uncomfortable silence when you're talking with a prospect, a lead, a client is good because that means that you ask a good enough question that they're thinking. Let them finish their thought and answer the question. And then listen to understand instead of listening to reply. Like it's basic sales one-on-one, but it's so crucial because as real estate agents, we are salespeople. But if you take that sales person title and realize that you're actually there to help people, not sell people, 
you will, it'll be way easier for you to overcome those objections because you truly are helping them make that decision. Like, I mean, you don't, I don't know any other professional that you go to and let them drive the bus, right? And tell you, like, I don't go to the doctor and tell them which one of my arms is broken and which cast to use. But we let buyers tell us all the time which house they want to see and why they want to see it and what price range they're interested in. I want to help them discover by asking great questions. Why is that house interest you? What about that neighborhood? Why is that? Why did you pick that price range? If I found one a little higher, would you be interested to go if it, if it checked all the boxes? We, we don't ask enough questions and then we paint them in a box and then we get stuck. We get stuck in the cycle of trying to find them the right property. If you're working with buyers and you're talking about the property and you don't have an agency relationship with them yet, you're talking about the wrong thing. Like I train my agents to not talk about the property until you have a relationship because the why behind the what is way more crucial. Yeah. What what, what are some examples of, of questions that you guys ask to get the to get the why behind the what, you know, cause I mean, I, and I, look, I, I always say it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, band-aids for bullet holes, if you will, you know, like, okay, well, Hey, I want four bedrooms. I want this. I'm like, I mean, that's important to them, but there's a reason as to yes. why they want those things. You know, it's like, you know, would I want to be in this location? Well, the true reason might be, well, Hey man, I'm wasting an hour of, of commute time each and every day to work and for home from work. That's an hour I'm missing a, you know, away from my family. That's an hour. Like, you know, I want to get to that core reason as to why, because then I can, you know, articulate, I guess, I guess the relationship in a different, a different way. Yeah. What, what are examples of, of, you know, questions that have been effective to get to the kind of that root why? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great example. They say, well, I need four bedrooms. Find out why they need those four bedrooms. Okay. Awesome. There's a lot of four bedroom homes available. Just out of curiosity, Josh, why are those, why is four bedrooms important to you? Tell me more. What else? Yeah. Very simple questions, but I'm going three, four layers deep to get them to actually open up and share with me. And what that does over, and you can do that on location, you can do it on anything, right? But what that really, really does is that they feel like you are actually listening to them versus talking over them as a salesperson. It builds that relationship. It builds that trust and that rapport, which is crucial in this business. Same thing with sellers, right? Like you just need to ask better questions. And so um, if a seller is looking to, well, I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm just curious, right? It's a home value lead, whatever. I'm just curious what my home value is worth. I don't believe what people say. I believe what they do. Actions speak louder than words. We've always heard that. So I don't believe what they tell me. I believe the actions that they take. They requested a home valuation for a reason. It is my job as a salesperson to truly help them to ask great questions on why they did that. I don't believe them. They said, oh, well, it wasn't me. I got all your information here. I know it was you. So I'm just curious. Are you looking to refinance? Are you looking to sell? Well, I'm not looking to sell anytime soon. Hey, not a problem. That's what our website here for, right? Normalize the situation. You have to normalize those obje objections. And I, I paint it. This is how I simplify it for some agents is pretend you have a neighbor, right? And you have a fence between you and your neighbor's yard. You can either be the neighbor that yells at them over the fence, or you can be the neighbor that goes around and brings them something on their side of the fence as a value. I'm on your side of the fence. I'm here to help you and provide you the service that you need. And if you, if you get on their side of the fence and they realize that you're in their corner, the conversations are so much easier to have. You're not selling them at this point. We overcomplicate it because these are, they're just people. They are just people and they need help. But it's our responsibility to 
articulate the conversation so that they understand how we can help them. Yep. Yep. Love it, dude. So then, um, you know, I'm curious. So this year you're on, on track and on pace to outsell what you did last year. Uh, and in just case you're watching this future time, I'm speaking of, you know, right now it's December 5th, 2022. Um, what, but the market man has, has shifted quite a bit this year. And, and it seems like it, you know, anybody I'm talking to anywhere in the U S anywhere in Canada is, has experienced that shift. And a lot of people are, are experiencing the opposite of that. Like this year is, is, has been a challenge. And a lot of people are experiencing less sales this year than they did uh, in 2021. What, what are you guys doing? What have you done to outpace that, you know, last year? Yeah. So um, this is our smallest incremental growth period that we've ever had. So I'll put that in perspective. Um, and so it's, yes, we are growing, but it is, it is very marginal. Um, and I think if I had to pick one thing is, uh, my coach, John Cheplak convinced me finally, um, he's been telling me for years, but I finally believed him, um, that you need to recruit agents to your organization. Like the 767 closings last year, that was with 19 agents. Like my per person productivity was through the roof. But what I realized is that is not sustainable. And so um, we, and with that in mind, in Q1 of 2022, we doubled our agent count. And so having more bodies, our per person productivity has suffered. But if I look back, the activity, so here's what, <clears throat> if you're a team leader, this, is, this will be interesting exercise for you, is the Navy SEAL model worked for me for several years, but it comes to an end. Because when those Navy SEALs get their bellies full, they lose their motivation. They're making more money than they ever made in their life. And they no longer have that drive determination. And then you add a market shift like what we had. They're not going to remember the activities they did three years ago to earn, to get to where they're at. And you need, you need new boots on the ground, new people that are hungry to rise up your organization with those activities that it takes in this market. And so having those new people, having those people that are hungry again, and not to say that the, the, the um, veteran agents aren't hungry, that's not, but they're not at the same level, right? Because they've already experienced that and they're not, they're not back at the, they're back against the wall stage. Like I want some hungry people in my organization because I know what I can help them through if they're willing to put in the work. And I want the people that are willing to put in the work. And so recruiting is extremely crucial for any organization. And I think it's very important, too, that a lot of people have a negative connotation with recruiting. And that negative connotation can be anything like, well, if I have more agents, I want to make sure I have plenty of opportunities. So why am I going to bring more agents when my lead flow is down? Like right now, most people's lead flow is down, right? So how am I going to bring more agents and support them when lead flow is down? You have to have a strategy. It's not about new leads. It's about how you follow up with them. Like as an example, our Monday Mayhem right now, it's a follow-up game, follow-up day. Every single person that doesn't have an agency relationship with us is getting a phone call. Every single one that has told us they want to buy or sell real estate. All of them. It's over 3,000, by the way, in our database. So tell me I don't have room for new agents for those opportunities that are already there, regardless if we create any more leads. And so it's not always about lead flow. It's about what is important to the agent. And so I think um, having, having more people has really helped, but also projecting what was going to come in the market. Like it's been at such a high for so long. Like I started projecting, again, going back to being in the right rooms, training with the right people. Um, I saw this coming before it really hit our market. And so I've been adjusting slightly for a long time 
getting back to the activities that it takes, getting back to the basics of the skill sets that it takes, and re-engaging and re-enrolling the agents into the basics and the fundamentals of what it takes to sell real estate. Like the secret is the fundamentals. I mean, look at any sports team. Defense and fundamentals wins championships. It's the same thing in real estate. We got away from the fundamentals because we didn't have to. If you get back to the basics and fundamentals and work on something that you 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 teach, it's mastery. It's not about shiny object syndrome, finding something new and shiny. You need to master the basics and the fundamentals. And I mean, so much so that we're on, we're on a, a course right now. I'm calling it our agent excellence program. Um, I hope none of my agents see this because essentially what it is, it's onboarding. We are re-onboarding our agents and they absolutely love it because the basics we got away from are so, so crucial in this market and they're seeing massive success from those. Yeah, it's uh, it always takes me back to Warren Buffett's quote: "When the tide goes out, you see who's skinny." The thing, you know, and and it's easy to get content and and veer away from those fundamentals when things are great, when things are just good, and, and you know, closings are happening. But it, but it's dude, it, every mega producer that I'm speaking with right now has the same exact answer. When I ask like, "What are you doing right now to navigate through this changing market?" It's man, we're just being obsessed with reattaching to the fundamentals. Yep. You know, again, no magic pill. It's those fundamentals. You know, and uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It's like every team leader, every brokerage owner that I'm talking to right now or that I coach, I'm just like, whatever your recruiting plan was in 2023, triplet. You know, it's the best hedge that exists out there. I mean, you're going to have a percentage of agents disengaged or that just drop out. You know, we've already had in my market 30, over 30% of agent count dropout already this year. Wow. You know, so you're going to have agent count dropout, you know, and then, then of those that stick in, you're going to have some that are just disengaged and disincentivized, you know, because of the changing market and people's resistance to change. Um, uh, uh, you know, but it's like, okay, per agent productivity is going to go down. The best hedge is to add more bodies, dude. And, and it, I don't know any way around it. hundred percent. And if you're an agent listening to this, um, and you, you, you're, you're concerned, um, about 30%, dude, that's a huge number. I mean, that's NAR stat, right? 30% will be out of the business is what they quoted, I think eight months ago. Right. Um, and so like, that's a real thing. And a lot of people get scared by that. I think people like you and I get excited, right? Because that, where that permit, that presents a massive opportunity for those that choose to look at it through the lens of opportunity. And so is it going to be easy? No, but will it be worth it? whenever the tide comes back up, absolutely it will be. Like, because those that stay in the box, those that build those relationships, those that build that rapport and that trust with their client client database, with their communities, with their leads are going to dominate when the dust settles. And it's going to be, there's a lot of times, so go back to the recession, right? There's a lot of zeros that became heroes in 08. There's a lot of heroes that went to zeros. The difference, in my my opinion, the difference between the two is their mindset. How do they approach the situation? Is it a poor me or is it, oh, this is an opportunity? Which way, which way are you looking at that? And I'm not saying that if you, so here's what we, we're focusing on is every agent's doubling their, their leading indicators. Your activity needs to double to get the same result. Yep. And if you're not willing to do that, I completely understand. This probably just isn't the market for you. Right. If that's not what you signed up for, no hard feelings on my end, but that's what it's going to take. And I owe it to you to tell you the truth. And that hard work, I hope only lasts a short amount of time. But I promise you, when the dust settles, if you put that work in and you stay in the box, you are going to see opportunities like you've never seen in the business. You thought it was easy last year. Just wait.
because that when it gets tough, the competition that came in to get the easy stuff is going to disappear. And the skill sets and the habits and the discipline you are going to build while this dust is, is still up, you are going to change the trajectory of your life forever. But you have to stay in the box now. Yep. Yep. Couldn't agree, man. Couldn't agree more, dude. It, it's, you know, like here in Phoenix, you know, sales are down 50%. Uh, uh, this year versus like this time this year versus last year. So when I start seeing that, you know, to me, it's just common sense of, okay, hey, we, we got to, like you said, double our efforts. We got double our lead gen. We got double our follow-ups. We got to double our reach outs to go out there and, and do the same amount of business. And then from there, you know, you, you, if you want to increase it, then you got to, you know, do the calculations according, accordingly, you know, um, but to your point, the, there will come that, that swing where the amount that dropout of agent count and even those that stay in that we talked about earlier that are disengaged and disincentivized, the, the amount of those will greatly outweigh the amount of business that's being done. So the piece of the pie will be so much bigger and there'll be these massive opportunities. And we, and we, you know, we see it over and over and over. I mean, just from a business standpoint, I mean, there's more millionaires and billionaires created during recessionary timeframes than any other timeframe, you know, but you got in order to thrive, you got to survive. A hundred percent. And so, I mean, that's, dude, that's such a great point. And in, in the great recession of 08, there was an 18% increase in number of millionaires in the United States, 18%. In the worst financial historic times of our country, 18% increase in millionaires. Tell me there's not opportunity on the other side of this. On top of that, 17% of those increased their net worth significantly. Like there was a 17% on average increase in their net worth. 17%, man, that's massive because again, they chose to look at this through the lens of opportunity and they stayed in the box. When things got tough, they went back to work. They went back to the fundamentals. And so uh, one of our core values here at our company is discipline. And I say this all the time. The market is going to discipline those who fail to discipline themselves. You used to have a choice. In the last three years, you've had a choice to be disciplined or not. And most of us chose not to, including myself at times. But I don't have a choice any longer. If I don't discipline myself, the market's going to discipline me. And I have too many people relying on me that I need to make sure that I discipline myself. Yep. Now, you said earlier that, oh, I, did I cut you off? Sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. You said earlier about, you know, telling your clients the truth and educating your clients. Right now, it, it can be difficult to, for somebody that maybe hears that, to understand, uh, I guess, what the truth is. Like, meaning, like, you jump on YouTube. It's like, you know, one thing from Dave Ramsey is saying the market's going to be fine. Then you, you know, get these other influencers that say the market's going to crash. You know, um, um, I mean, how, how do you go out there and navigate that educational front? So then that way you can pass that over to your clients. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, great question. And, and uh, a lot of my agents are asking that too. And so um, one of the things that I do is I, I research the market and study it, right? So you need to know trends in your current market. Our national trends are important, but your local trends are way more important. And so you need to be an expert. Um, so I did a, I, I held an event in our area, um, called it a success summit. And it was how I guarantee if you follow these steps, here's the proven steps to make $100,000, which is triple our median income, $100,000, no matter the market. The first thing was educate yourself 15 minutes a day on the current market. You need to be the resource. You need to dive into numbers. You need to uh, look at keeping current matters. You need to look at your MLS and understand the stats. Don't just read them. Read them to fully understand and master those stats so that you can learn them, you can apply them, and then you can teach them. 
You have to be able to teach what that means to your clients. And there will be some people that it isn't a good time, depending on your market. And you have to, you have to meet with, so again, going back to the conversations is I'm here to help them. And so I'm going to help them by getting face to face with them so I can have this conversation going in depth into the numbers, into their current situation so they can make the right decision, whether that is to buy or sell or to wait. I want them to make the right decision. And I know if I do that over time and be their guide and be their resource, I can't lose. And so it just depends on the situation. You need to be the expert on those numbers. Um, I think an advantage buyers have in this market that they're probably not aware of, at least in our area, is lenders, they are hurting and they are getting creative and they are offering amazing programs for buyers that they don't know about because all buyers here on the mainstream media is how interest rates have doubled. Well, wouldn't mainstream media say that the interest rates had the single biggest drop in day hist in history since the 1960s? I don't see any news outlets sharing that. That's what my agents are talking about today. Like this was a couple of weeks ago that this happened. But the huge interest rate drop was a massive news that nobody, nobody knows about. And your buyers need to know about that. On top of that, some of the programs that, and we're packaging and positioning as our program because it's our partner lenders that are offering these. Um, so I think that's very important too, as an agent, that it's your package and you are the one presenting it. But like there's a two-one buy down that they're, that they're offering. And a lot of times right now, sellers are paying for that because they want to sell the property. They understand what's going on with the market. What that does is that allows that buyer to get 2% less the first year, 1% less the second year. And then they're able to refinance through this lender at no lender cost for the next five years. So when interest rates go back down and settle, they can refinance at no lender cost and they can get that better rate, but they can get into that home now. And in our market anyway, I've painted this picture, right? I created infographics, all of that is it is a better time to buy now than it was six months ago if you use these programs. Yeah. But it just depends on your situation. And it depends on, <clears throat> I think a lot of people, if they're uneducated and they're panicked or they're overwhelmed, they freeze, right? And nothing good happens when you just, I'm going to watch and see what happens. You need to participate in this and you need to be that lighthouse and guide guide your buyers and sellers of what's going on in the marketplace so they can make an educated decision. Yep. Yep. Love it. So, um, you know, I, I know that this is a tough question to get asked, you know, none of us have a crystal ball, so, you know, we won't hold you to this, but I'm sure you get asked this question all the time as, you know, but being somebody that does invest a lot of time in education, you know, and, and it's all across the board. I mean, you hear, you know, people like Robert Kiyosaki talking about this is going to be the worst crash of, of that he's seen in his lifetime, you know, and he's what in his seventies now, you know, to Dave Ramsey's of the world that are saying that, you know, it's not, I mean, what, what, what do you think it's going to go? Yeah. So um, it's a great question. Um, I wish I had a crystal ball, but here's what I'm betting on. I'm betting on April one, at least from my market, April one, the floodgates are going to open. Interest rates are going to make up their mind what they're going to do. All of this craziness of the quick, like nobody likes um, a lot of news of the housing market's crashing. We're in a recession. All that's going to normalize by then. It's also springtime when the market normally picks up. I believe interest rates are going to be way more affordable then. I believe lenders are still going to be hurting and offering great programs. I believe that April 1 in our area, the floodgates are going to open and we are going to absolutely dominate and have our best year ever. But I believe that because I don't think the powers that be are going to let us have the crash that we probably should have. Um, I think that they're, 
there's a lot of things that bailed out and saved even 08, right? And I think that they're not going to allow it to get as bad as it probably should have to have the reset we probably need to have. And they're going to hope it incrementally increases over time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, it, 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 is, it is so difficult, man, because, you know, just like you, I get asked this question probably a dozen times a day. And I'm just like, dude, so much just hinges on, on the manipulation behind the scenes. Yeah that we can't control, you know? So, um, yeah, no, awesome stuff, dude. So then, all right. So earlier you said that, I think you said first quarter of this year, you guys doubled your agent count. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of team leaders and brokerage owners that are, are, you know, listen to the podcast or watch the podcast. And, you know, that's a sticking point for a lot, man. It, it, you know, the, when it comes to recruiting, um, what have, what have you done? What are you currently doing? What's working well for you on the recruit side? Yeah. So I think, um, to attract agents, first and foremost, you have to be attractive, right? So um, you have to, and I think what's attractive to most agents is success. So go out there and do it yourselves. So like I, I talk to a lot of people that are wanting to start a team or they're an infant team and they're the team leader is still in high end production um, in that growth phase, which is very difficult part of a real estate career. And um, literally you have got to paint and clear the path for your people. I have a leadership philosophy. I will never ask you to do something that I have not already done myself or I'm not going to do right along beside you. And there's too many people out here that want to be team leaders, in my opinion, that I've seen that want to be team leaders that their highest year in production, they sold five houses. Yeah. Like what, that, who's going to follow that person? No wonder you have a hard time recruiting because then you have to recruit on splits. You have to recruit on, well, I'll give you the world. And then you don't make any money. You have to stay in production and it's not a sustainable business model and they don't succeed either. And so I think first and foremost, go out and do it yourself, number one. But number two, if you already have an established team, you need to have a cadence. So um, this is something I learned this year is we have a follow-up cadence. We have businesses around. We I used to think that as a real estate leader, my job is to get more buyers and sellers. That is my job is to create opportunities for my agents. That is still a part of my job, but there's a third leg to that. And I have a responsibility to bring in the right agents into our organization too. And so I've created a system. It's basically whatever your listing process is, you duplicate that for recruiting. It's, it's, that simplifies it, right? Is that you need a follow-up cadence. You need a way to get people to be hand raisers. You need to educate them. You need to provide value to them and, I mean, my coach, John Cheplak says this all the time. If you want to keep what you have, the secret is to give it away. Be a contributor to your market. Be a contributor to your agents. Throw events. Um, send them tips on buying and selling. Be that resource. And I want, to be, I want to be a better leader to agents not in my organization than their current leader. And if I can demonstrate that over time, they're eventually going to come join me. Right. And so I think that the biggest part people have with recruiting is they think, well, that I want to recruit Josh from my organization. So I have one phone call and I go for the close. I, I tell them all value proposition. Uh, I tell them why you should work with us, features and benefits. And I just dump it all on you. That's not how you recruit. Like literally a recruiting conversation is you're building a relationship. And so I I mean, and I learned this from John Cheplak is that I don't I don't even I promise them I won't recruit them on the first call. Like that's my promise is that I just want to, I want to talk about what's most important, Josh, you and your business. I know a lot of agents are struggling right now. How are you doing? 
edify them. I've always looked up to you. I've watched you in the marketplace. Like all this needs to be heartfelt and true, right? But how, when's the last time some other person called them and had that conversation? When's the last time their leader had that conversation with them? And then you, it turns into a coaching opportunity. How can you provide value? Find out, again, at sales isn't about what you say, it's about what you ask. Ask them great questions about what's important to them in their business. Then once you know what their holes are, then you can fill that. Yep. Yeah, I always look at it is, is and I think so many team leaders and broker owners get, get this, you know, mindset that, oh, my situation is now different. But, you know, to me, as I break this down, it's like, it's all the same, dude. You're either recruiting buyers, you're recruiting sellers, you're recruiting agents, or you're recruiting your leadership team that's doing those things for you, you know, and it's, it's you know, okay, what's your, what's your process for going out there and getting agent leads? What's your follow-up cadence? You know, what does that full funnel look like? What is, and just being that, taking that consistent action you know, um, uh, with it. And I just see so many that are missing that intentionality. hundred percent. You have to, you have to treat it like a business, right? Every single aspect you have, you have a lead generation, a lead conversion, a follow-up cadence. You have a CRM, you have everything around buyers and sellers. You need that exact same stuff around agents. It doesn't need to be complicated, but you need a process for that because you have got to continuously be recruiting agents into your organization if you want to grow. I would even argue if you want to sustain what you have. You have to always be getting new people out the door. Now, this isn't to say just overgrow, grow too quickly, which is very hard to do, by the way, but it could be possible. You need to grow strategically, but you need to make sure that you have a, a process for getting new, new people and the right people into your organization. Another mistake I see people make, and I've made this myself, is that I have, a, I have a saying in my office, it's culture over sales. Culture always comes first. Like literally I lead, my organization is led by principles, not personality. And is it, does it fit our core values? Does it fit who we are, our mission? Okay, cool, do it, right? And so what, what a lot of people do and myself, I learned this lesson is I used to actually brag when I got a new agent in and onboarding, I met, I met them for the first onboarding class. Well, you guys understand how hard it is to get in this organization. So now that you're in here, I want you to understand that you have a, a responsibility to protect this culture. Like the protecting the culture part, I still have. But when I said that, I'm like, why do I make it hard to work here? Like, wouldn't it be easier to recruit if I opened up the door more? And then I had that conversation once people raised their hand. Like sometimes we just get, we let our ego get in the way and say, well, I'm not sure if that person would be a good culture fit, or I don't think they'll be successful here. Like. Um, I heard this in a mastermind last night from um, from a, a team leader in Nashville. My picker's broken. Like I don't know who's going to be successful and who's not. As I'm this this team leader happened to recruit over 100 agents this year to the organization, right? So they they have a recruiting cadence, and they said my picker's broken. All the people that I thought that I picked that were going to be massively successful have already left our organization. The people I thought I don't think this is going to work are just killing it. And so we don't ever know who is going to be successful. People surprise us all the time. So give them an opportunity to make sure they're a good culture fit, but give them an opportunity to earn that. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember watching this Tom Brady video years ago and, and ha it had like all the coaches that passed him up, you know, and, and they're like, look, if you look at his, the, you know, the KPIs, the numbers, you know, the stats, like our decision wasn't wrong, but where we all went wrong was, we couldn't open up his chest and look into his heart. Like yep. we didn't know everybody, 
underestimated how big this guy's heart, you know, is. And, you know, I've seen the same thing, man. It's like, oh, this guy was a killer in, in maybe sales and a previous, you know, like, like you, you recruit him in, you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a savage or this girl's going to be a savage. And then you have the opposite of that, where you're kind of scratching your head, like, did I make a mistake here? You know, um, and both times, like you, you get proven wrong over and over and over. It's just like, yep. it comes down to, and that's what I love about this industry, dude, is, is it just comes down to like how bad you want it. Doesn't matter how tall, short you are. Doesn't matter like, I mean, you can be an introvert or an extrovert. You can have a thick accent. Like it's the most level playing field I've ever seen. It's just how bad do you freaking want it? Yeah. And dude, do you know how many people get are upset and stop listening to the podcast now that you said that? Because they realize there's work involved to be successful. Right. And yeah. that's, that's just, um, it's, there is work involved, but there's a bell curve also, right. Is that once you build your relationship, you build your pipeline, you, you build that trust in that personal brand, whether you're on a team or you're on your own, it doesn't matter. You still have a personal brand in this business. Like it does get easier over time, but to get started, it's, you're going to have to get some traction and it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of reps. Yep. Yeah. So I know that uh, not too long ago, you started your own podcast, man. Like what, what led to that? Yeah. So, um, I, dude, I just believe in contribution. And um, I, I believe, I think you actually probably were one of the first people, um, just so you know, to uh, paint that picture of what contribution means to this industry. Um, you were the very first coach or training that I ever took. Um, and it, dude, that was years and years and years ago. Um, and I'm still a part of your um, alumni group, by the way. Um, I, I just really love the content and the, the way that you give back to this industry. And as I've grown through my success journey, I've noticed a common theme with people that are uber successful. Every single one of them are contributors. They think, instead of thinking, what can I get? They think, what can I give? And so I decided to give back. And so I called, I started a podcast. It's uh, I also have um, social platforms, all of that. I do a couple of events. Uh, but it's called all or nothing in real estate. And it's just my way to give back to the industry that has given so much to me. Yep. Yep. Love it. So speaking of that, and I got a couple more questions for you. Um, but if, if I know you just gave the name of the podcast, but you know, I don't know what platforms it's on, if there's a centralized place, you know, but in addition to that, I mean, if, if anybody that's watching or listening to this, you know, they want to continue following you. They want to check out the podcast. I believe also you mentioned John Chaplack. I believe that you're a coach for, for his organization as well. So you're also coaching agents out there. Um, um, I mean, where's the best place, man, for people to, to continue following you, to get in touch with you, check out the podcast, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I am, I coach with John. Um, he is my coach, one of my three coaches, um, but I believe in always growing, uh, but I also am privileged to be a coach for him as well. And so um, that's just another passion project for me, man. I just, I, dude, I enjoy helping people. Like my team makes fun of me all the time because I get like, I'll, I'll be saying something really passionately and all of a sudden I'll get goosebumps. Like the hair on my arm stands up. I'm like, I can't fake that. That's, that's, that's why I do what I do. And coaching gives me more goosebumps moments. Um, I like that's, I think that's going to be on my, on my tombstone died chasing his next goosebump, you know, like yeah. that's just what I live for. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I do coach with him. And so uh, if you want to reach out to me, um, I'm really uh, just, let me plug my Instagram because I'm really trying to grow it right now. Um, and it has a link tree link with uh, good coaching. You can find the podcast, any of that for the all or nothing movement, but it's, um, at Matt Smith underscore, no, sorry, at Matt Smith EXP. Um, and if you follow me there, you'll have access to anything. Please send me a message. I just believe in contribution and am, uh, am happy to help any way that I can. 
All right. So to repeat that, because I know we get uh, more people listening than we do watching this. They might be driving down the road. It's at At Matt Smith EXP. Correct. All right. Perfect, man. All right. So a couple last questions for you. I know we're getting long on time here, but um, all right. So, you know, you mentioned earlier when we kicked off this podcast, you know, about being in a very tough position, you know, um, both financially, emotionally, you know, um, you know, all of that. But we also find that good enough becomes the worst enemy to greatness. Um, and now your situation is 180 from that situation. What now keeps you still pushing forward, still pressing, even though things are pretty damn good, you could take that foot off the accelerator. Like what now drives you, even though like those things are now good to go? Dude, such a great question. Um, so it changes and it's changed multiple times. Um, and so I've let my foot off the gas a couple of times in the past couple of years. Like there was literally, there was a tough conversation that I had with a mentor of mine about a year and a half ago. I'm like, I just don't have the, I don't have the passion to drive anymore. Like I just, I, I'm, I'm content. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to continue forward. Like, I don't know. I'm maybe I'll go find a job. I don't know. Um, and this was at the time we we're selling um, 700 houses. Right. Um, but it was just, it just became, I lost my passion. Um, and it really had me doing some soul searching on why did I really want to sell 700 homes? Why did I really want to start a real estate team? And it just goes back to my core focus as a person. And our core focus as a real estate team is to change lives. And I've just been blessed in my life. And I want to give back to others. Like I want, I have a saying that I say to my family all the time, and I'll share it here, is that I think, I think daily about what is my funeral going to look like? Dude, I want my funeral to be held at like a freaking stadium of I made such an impact on so many lives that they can't get in fast enough. And there's so many people that want to speak about the legacy that I left, the, the one thing that I did that impacted their lives. Um, and to add to that, dude, being a girl dad, going through what I went through, um, holding that six-week-old daughter, saying goodbye to her mom, like I want to prove there's too many people that tell their kids you can do anything, but they don't show them. And I don't believe what people say. I believe what people do. So I'm going to show them that anything is possible in this world. And so um, I, that's, that's really it, man. It's just you got to find that passion and that, that fire of why you do what you do. I think a lot of agents lose that. And it's one of the hardest things that I have to do as a leader in my organization is um, we've been very, very fortunate that a lot of people have scaled. And I had one guy that um, he was at a speaking engagement with me um, Friday. And he doubled his income the first year on the team, doubled again, right? Like he's quadrupled his income in two years. And he's just kind of like, oh, I'm good now. Like helping those people find that next thing, that next why to keep going, to keep driving. I think that's what separates the greats from the elites. And it's, you really have to have, you said it earlier, like the Tom Brady, you got to open up the heart. Like you have to figure out what is burning inside of why you want it, because there's going to be days where it just, it's tough. You don't want to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym. You don't want to make your prospecting calls. But if you have that purpose, you have that real why of why it's important, you are going to be successful because the success isn't about doing, doing great things when you feel good. The separation is when you don't feel like it, what are you actually doing? Yeah. Yep. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah. I, I've, uh, 
and I'm asking this is is a is a question to see if you you agree because it sounds like maybe maybe it it applies to you. But my experience, burnout only exists when you lose clarity on on what it is that you truly want, why you want it, why it's important to you, and that can change. So maybe you, you lose clarity because. You know, it's like, dude, I think like a lot of us, I got in this industry because I was sick and tired of being broke. I want to be in, in control of that, you know, fate. But then, boom, I had enough money. Then it was like, okay, I had to get clarity on that next phase now, yep. you know. Um, so so when people talk about burnout, I'm like, dude, you don't have a burnout issue. You have a clarity issue. You know, would, would you say that to be true? Um, yes. Uh, there's an asterisk to everything, right? But yes, overall, 100%. Um, if you have clarity on your mission, why you're doing what you're doing, like you're, you're not going to wake up every day inspired, right? There's going to be days where it's tough, but overarchingly you're, you're going to have that, that fuel to keep going and to do it for more. And so it's, yeah, I, I think, so I don't talk about burnout as much. I love that analogy. I talk about work-life balance. It doesn't exist. It's just one life, live it. Work is a part of it. So you better be doing something that you enjoy. You better be doing something that inspires, motivates you and allows you to impact more people because it's a part of your life. Like we all have it work as a big part of our lives. Do something that you enjoy. Do it with people you enjoy. Yep. Yep. Love that. Yeah. And I would say that that asterisk, at least, you know, for, for me is, and I always say this is there's a difference between burnout and exhaustion. Mm. You know, sometimes we can just be exhausted and, and, you know, a good way to test that is go on vacation, you know, and and at the end of that vacation, man, are you hungry to get back in the office or do you want to stay on a permanent vacation? (laughs) That's how you can kind of, kind of test. No, that, no, that helps clarify it for me then, dude, I'm I'm hundred percent. I agree. Um, Because like, I, I almost religiously 90 days or schedule a vacation, right? Usually it's around an event or something, um, but I do two or three days extra to get that, that detox time that, that, um, I guess I probably called it burnout, but it's, it's probably exhaustion is what it is. Like when you go so hard for so long, you need that reset. And so it gives you that good reset. I think it's also important too, that I think one of my keys to success is being able to paint. You said clarity. Um, it's a different way of saying what I say is vision, having a vision for what you want in your life. Um, like I remember uh, the second time I did 75 hard um, during uh, phase one of the phases, I did the whole live hard program and it was 10 minutes of visualization was one of the requirements. And dude, as a go-getter, like I am, like, I don't slow down to think. I don't process. I just go, go, go. Um, and so that provided so much clarity that to the point where I do that today, like to paint that vision of what I want, why I want, it gives me a chance to have those gratitudes because I think we have, there's two kinds of people. There's people that either can't paint that vision And so they need help getting clarity on why they want what they want. Or there's people that paint that vision, but it's so far away that they lose motivation to to attach to it. And I think either way, it's important to paint that vision, but it's also important to stop and be grateful for the steps along the way, right? And to really enjoy the ride, right, of of your journey to success and soak in the moments, soak it in for 24 hours and then get back to work, right? But it's very important that you have that combination and recognize yourself for what you've achieved. And I think if you're able to do those two things, you have clarity around that, you have a big vision and you recognize and share your gratitudes for where you are in your journey, dude, that eliminates the burnout, right? That that just gets rid of it. Yep, yep, couldn't agree more, dude. All right, so uh, final question here for you. 
if Matt today, knowing everything you know now today, could go back and have a conversation with your younger self in 2013 when you were first entering this this industry and give yourself a couple pieces of advice that you feel would have of you know changed the success trajectory that you're on and have been on, knowing what you know now today, what would those pieces of advice look like? Dude, that's a good question. Um, number one, it's all going to be all right. Don't stress as much, right? Stress is not healthy. Um, so, yeah, so it's, I think we overwhelm ourselves with, we have to accomplish amazing things today, right? And it's, I talk about this a lot um, on my podcast and I've, I've shared a lot of a lot of thoughts with people about how you get to success, but success doesn't happen in a year's time frame. Success happens in days, not years. It's what you do. You have to win the day today, then win the day tomorrow. You win enough days, you win enough weeks, enough weeks turns into months, et cetera, et cetera. But we overcomplicate it and we say, well, we have to be here in a year. But I think if you just focus on the day and what do I need to accomplish today to win the day? And you win the day, then you win. The, wake up tomorrow, win the day again tomorrow. And you do that over a period of time, you will be amazed how quickly you progress in your success journey. Because too many people have way more L's than W's on their page. Like they don't win the day. They procrastinate. They say, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, and I also think that um, a big mistake that I made was not thinking long-term. Being... There was a time in my career where I had commission breath, right? Um, and I was so desperate and so broke that I had to have money. My clients could smell it a mile away. And I was very salesy. I, um, I, I wouldn't say I was unethical, but there was times where I told that line of, I got to make this sale. Um, and that always backfires every single time. So much so that I, that's where I learned that you have to be that lighthouse. And even if it's not a good decision, be the one to help them understand it's not a good decision, right? And when you do that over time, your brand grows, they thank you for it. You have, you can go to sleep at night. Like there's, there's a lot of things that if you just focus on, do, it sounds, sounds easy, right? Just be a good person. But it's very easy in a high commission sales job to lose track of that and just start counting the dollars. I remember I had a moment, I had a moment where um, back, my very first year, my pennies boards, I, I say boards because I literally had to buy two new boards to keep my pennies track of my pennies. And um, every single morning, my first step was I got a calculator just like this. And I would look at my GCI column and I'd start adding it up. How much money am I making? That was my focus. So my biggest advice to myself in 2013 is don't worry about the money, take care of the people and the money will work itself out. Yep. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful words. And uh, those that are watching and listening, as always, we truly appreciate you being here. Truly appreciate all your support. And Matt, truly appreciate your time, taking uh, time out of your busy day to be here, man. This has been an honor and this has been a lot of fun, my friend. Yeah, dude. I can't thank you enough. I appreciate it. I've been following you for so long. Thank you for having me on. And dude, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you're impacting so many lives in this industry and I appreciate you. Yep. Truly means a lot, my friend. All right, you guys. Thank you again. And we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>